Welcome back, everybody, to the CNC Replay. I'm Noel. I'm Corey, and just to apologize in advance, uh, I guess we're setting ourselves up for a letdown after last, last week's installment, <laughs> after having a completely full full house. We're having... Full roster. We're having little bits and pieces here, but uh, hey. You got the skeleton crew this we, week. We keep on trucking. We keep on trucking along because... yes. That's what we do here at the CNC Replay. Um, in case you haven't noticed, uh, the Super Bowl happened. It did. And 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 some some team happened to win the Super Bowl, um, and that team happened to be a team quarterbacked by some guy that I heard was was really bad at quarterback couldn't get it done yeah you know there were a lot of rumors that he was just like incapable of of carrying a team in the way that needs to be care it needs to be carried you know like and he's just he's really bad and he can't do it and he despite the team that he played for having a history of ineptitude uh all his fault it was everything everything was his Mm -hmm. fault all the time even Mm -hmm. when it wasn't his fault it was his fault because he was on that team so um, but you know what happened, Noel? What happened, Corey? That guy is a Super Bowl champion now. He is. He got to hold the trophy. He, got he to, has a very large ring. He has. A, he has a very. He has a very large ring right on his right on his finger, and he's he is saying hello to all the haters that 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 you know doubted him in Detroit and doubted him when he went to went to Los Angeles, and now now vindication. It, vindication my man matthew stafford is riding off into the sunset but all points all all jokes and everything aside your opinion on him it doesn't matter what it is if you are not happy for this man there is something severely wrong with you yeah i think it's just a you like to be bitter and so you're gonna be bitter about everything no matter what I mean that has to be it because to see any on any single team of a guy with that, I like to think of it this way: Dan Marino, right, quarterback of the Miami Dolphins for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, Hall of Fame quarterback, never won a Super Bowl. If Dan Marino were to leave Miami at some point in his career and he were to go win a Super Bowl, sure, I would, I would get that there would be a little bit of bitterness. Well, how come he didn't do it here? There was a little bit of bitterness for me with the Verlander World Series win because it's like, man, I wish he could have done it here. But on the same side, this is a guy. Both of those guys were guys who played their entire careers up to that point in Detroit and then eventually reached the mountaintop. If they couldn't do it with us, they did it with somebody else. Um, And it's incredibly, incredibly hard to win a Super Bowl at any time. Um, so I just, I, I, I am very, very, very happy for the guy. Of all the crap that he took, of, of all the injuries, everything that he played through in Detroit and to overcome the Detroit Lions organization uh, is, is something that's really cool. And did he have the best Super Bowl performance? No. Did he have an elite Super Bowl performance? I think you could make that case, maybe a little bit. I saw I, I was looking at his stats and the two interceptions doesn't help. He had a couple of 
of not great throws. <laughs> the two interceptions. That were- third quarter, I the third quarter was way too stressful for me. I couldn't handle it. Oh, it was, it was, it was was a disaster. It was tough. It was tough. I was, so I was watching the Super Bowl with a bunch of people who were rooting for the Bengals, which it was, it was a lot of fun. Like I was sitting Mm -hmm. next to the biggest Bengals fan in the room and I'm sitting here like my team's not even in it, but I'm rooting so hard for this guy who was on my team. Cause like, I realized like this is his only shot. So, right. So, Joe Burrow, who we have talked about endlessly on this podcast for being a Detroit area sports podcast, uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just have to keep going with the bit. It's fine. He's, that, a, he's a great quarterback. He deserved to be there, obviously. Like I, 100%. Yes. 100%. And what he did to get there was nothing short. I don't want to discredit anything that that guy did at all. Because no, I don't, at all. Because I've been, on, I've been on the interwebs arguing for my man, Stafford, for the past few weeks. And I do not want to discredit anything that Joe Burrow has done because it is, Mm -hmm. you, you look at the results of the two seasons, the Bengals had um, with Joe Burrow, he made an instant impact and he was able to elevate his team to get him to a spot uh, in order to win a Super Bowl, And he came up short. It happens. This is this is the game of football. Patrick Mahomes was ready to be crowned the next GOAT, made it to two straight Super Bowls, and lo and behold, he's only got the one that he just won um, a, a few seasons ago. Um, but I'm just I'm just very uh, still frustrated by the fact that. Matthew Stafford performed incredibly, incredibly well. Um, and the two interceptions that he did throw, one was a low throw that tipped up in the air. Really shouldn't have been an interception. Um, if unless it was it wasn't tipped. And then the other was like a third and fourteen that was thrown into the it was basically a punt. So like as far as how interceptions hurt you in a football game. One necessarily wasn't his fault, and the other was a punt at the end of the second half. Like Mm-hmm. You're, you're gonna we don't weigh interceptions the same way now <laughs> the second interception at the time was bad and it was looking very bleak but that was like a team sort of a thing like Stafford should it was a bad throw but also it probably wasn't an interceptable pass but it was so we have to we have to roll right. with that um I saw a stat right. that Stafford was the only quarterback to throw for three touchdowns and not win Super Bowl MVP I did not know that um but that is true Interesting. Yes. Um, Cooper Cup deserves MVP. I'm not I'm not saying that. I honestly thought Aaron Donald right. was going to win MVP because he absolutely took over that game in the second half. So did I. That was kind um, of my vote, especially with that last that last um that last, last grab. Sack. Yeah. That was thank you. That's I don't know why that word wasn't coming to my brain. That's yeah. Okay. Uh he like went I don't know how he physically got out of the hold that the other lineman had on him and reached towards the guy with the ball like he yeah. went through somebody he danny phantomed through a guy like there's no way he got that yeah <laughs> that physically absolute. like that it was crazy absolute free and not to mention it was literally the detroit lions of old offense for the majority of that they had they could not horrific. run the ball they could not run the ball what so i think no. leading rusher was cam Akers. he had 17 carries for 32 yards now that is detroit lions football that is what we had seen for <laughs> years stat. on end but so one-dimensional offense 
your defense played exceptionally well, and look what happened. You win the Super Bowl. If you can have one of those things at any time work for Matthew Stafford, and this is like, oh, no, he needs things to work. Okay, look at Joe Burrow. What did he have mm-hmm. working for him? He had the he had the passing game working for him. He had a little bit of a rushing game, maybe, but it wasn't all there. And he didn't win. Am I trying to discredit Joe Burrow from what he did? No. It's amazing that he got there. But the man was sacked like eight times in that game. Mm-hmm. He had a line. It's also like a different story. Yeah, it's also like the magic of playoffs, right? Like you always have a team that goes in where everything has been going right, uh-huh. going the way it exactly should up until like the last game, and then nonsense happens and it you know either derails or elevates them to the next level like it's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes and it sucks to see somebody who you know what is deserving of a win like that like joe burrow not get it but at this i mean at the same time we still we're still rooting for stafford for other reasons and also deserving but i think joe burrow's got a couple more years left in him just a few yeah, you know, maybe maybe one or two. I think he'll be okay. Maybe one or two. Who knows? Um, but you're exactly right. There is a lot of luck that goes into it. And even, I mean, for both of those teams, it wasn't a – I don't want the narrative to be um, the Rams kind of lucked their way into everything because they didn't. They had to make – Stafford had to make some pretty serious throws in the divisional round <laughs> going into Tampa Bay. And mm-hmm. beating Tom Brady, I don't, I don't care if you gave up a huge lead or whatever. You couldn't move the ball. Stafford made one of the best throws of the playoffs in that game, under pressure. Mm-hmm. And because he made that throw, they were able to kick the game-winning field goal. And so he led another fourth corner drive. Uh, Joe Burrow overcame <laughs> the NFL playoff record for sacks in a game, <laughs> and ended up winning that game against the number one seed in the AFC. So. Both don't don't sit here and tell me that Burrow overcame everything and Stafford rode everything to where he was at because that is simply not true. In the AFC championship game, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals played out of their minds on defense, which Mm -hmm. helped for the comeback. Uh, But the reason that the Bengals won the AFC championship game was mostly due in part to the defense in that period of time. But Joe Burrow led them there. He led them in the first round of the playoffs against the Raiders. He led them on a, on a comeback drive uh, against the, against the uh, Titans. And then the, the round after that, the defense showed up. and like, okay, we're going to help you out here. And the offensive line stepped up too in that game. I don't think they, I don't think they allowed a set. Ah, that I can't, I can't say that for sure, but. They didn't allow eight sacks in, right. in the right. NFC championship game. Right. So and that that helps. All of these it's it at the end of the day, we talk about these guys. We talk about Tom Brady, we talk about Matt Stafford, we talk about Joe Burrow. It is still a team sport. And right. I I don't think anybody is blaming Joe Burrow for the Super Bowl loss, even though he only threw one touchdown. Mm-hmm. And in the second in the fourth quarter after he got hurt, three and outs consistently where they needed to put some pressure on, on the Rams 
Now, is that due to the Rams defense? I don't know. Could be. Was that due to not being able to move anything with the ball? Joe Burrow missed a wide open Jamar Chase on fourth down when he was being brought down by Aaron Donald, but like there wasn't a defender within 20 yards of him. No one's blaming him for that. And I don't mm-hmm. think they should. I don't think they should. Right. Um, but another piece of this argument too, uh, I thought the argument would cease after Stafford were to win and pull through. It's only getting worse, I think, which is yeah, really, really disheartening. Like, it, it, you still got to execute. You still got to win. And I don't think people realize how difficult it is to go to a new team and just be the best at your sport. It's a lot of because pressure, too. It's a lot of pressure. It's you know? just a ton of pressure. It's a team sport at the end of the day, but still. Right. Um, Bengals aren't there without Burrow. Bengals aren't there without Chase. And the Rams definitely do not win the Super Bowl without Stafford. I I don't see how you can make that argument anymore. Um, and now Stafford has a ring. And you would think that given his career statistics uh, and the fact that he is now a Super Bowl champion, that his ticket to the Hall of Fame has been punched. And there is now now it's really interesting the the dynamic of how stafford was discussed in detroit has now shifted to the national media so a lot of people which i would Mm -hmm. argue maybe the majority say that stafford deserves to be in the hall of fame look at his stats um now there's a minority that say, whoa, 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 let's let's hold on here he was he wasn't an all pro he wasn't an mvp he wasn't blah 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 Mm-hmm. All of these arguments, Noel, go down towards Stafford played for the Lions. That, that that's just that's just what this comes down to, and the fact that people do not understand this will forever blow my mind. I'm gonna go on another mini rant. I'm not gonna be as loud, but Noel, there is zero franchise in any of the four major sports that equals the ineptitude of the Detroit Lions franchise. There just is not. You cannot give me any argument of anybody that comes close. You can't give me the Cubs even before they won the World Series in 2016 because they were at least winning playoff series in in Major League Baseball. You can't even give me the Mariners. The Mariners haven't made the playoffs in 21 years, and they were one round away from the World Series. Mm-hmm. The Mariners are <sighs> as dysfunctional as they come. Still not as bad as the Lions. Not even close. The Sacramento Kings... I think Kings, they're... <laughs> mm-hmm. Go, keep... No, I don't want to cut you off. No. I was just going to say, I think they're in the beginning of looking a lot like the Lions, but I would throw the Coyotes in, in this mix. Not even. In term... Okay. They've made it to the Western Conference Finals. And they're not yeah. even they're not even half the age as the Detroit Lions. No. Still not. <laughs> okay. All right. Still not. I All right. mean I'm the Sacramento Kings, they're probably pretty inept. They've been around in the you know, they've been in a basketball team for quite a long period of time. They've still won multiple playoff series since the Lions mm-hmm. last won their last playoff game. Or mm-hmm. maybe not since but since nineteen fifty seven. They have won multiple playoff series. Lions have won one. One. Yeah. One. Yeah. 
the Clippers have won multiple playoff series since 1957. I can go, I can go every, every franchise in the NBA right now, as it stands, even franchises that don't exist anymore, the Seattle Supersonics, which is a team that does not exist, has had more playoff success since 1957 than the Detroit Lions. The Atlanta Thrashers, who won their division in 2007, have had more playoff success than the Detroit Lions have had since 1957. They've at least matched the division titles that the Lions have had since 1957. Mm -hmm. They don't even exist. Anyway, the Quebec Nordiques. Frickin', (laughs) frickin', uh, just about every single baseball team, the Orioles, who are horrible, have -hmm. had more success. The Royals came out of, they've been horrible forever. They came out of nowhere. They were good for two seasons. They won a World Series. Now they're bad again. More success than the Lions. The Cleveland Browns, who were a team, were not a team, and then were a team again, have had both of these segments of Cleveland Browns football, which is mm-hmm. like, oh, Cleveland Browns are so bad, blah, 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 have had more each of them. Each of them have had more success in the playoffs or equal success in the playoffs as the Detroit Lions have had since 1957. The New York Jets, who are god-awful, at just about <laughs> everything they do, made it to back-to-back AFC championship games. That's more success than the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions are an enigma of suckitude. <laughs> they are. They are. They are. It's they're, <laughs> I've had six rants about this dumb team, mm-hmm. but when you make when you make logical sports arguments you you find and draw comparisons right yeah you you develop a base you develop um an outline whatever you want to call it and you make the argument based off of that you cannot compare matthew stafford's situation in detroit to any other quarterback situation in the history of the league because the comparison simply does not exist it does not exist Mm -hmm. and it's really unfortunate that the media the football media i sound like a tinfoil hat guy um (laughs) but the sports media doesn't talk they just treat them like another franchise when you can't you can't noel you Mm -hmm. you simply you had the great you had one of the greatest running backs in nfl history and you forced him into retirement you forced him into retirement he was going to break the nfl's rushing record the season he went into retirement. Noel, yeah. that that just does that does it's, not happen to a normal franchise. No. Calvin Johnson, he did have injuries, but he probably could have played for one or two more seasons. Mm-hmm. And he retired early. Matthew yeah. Stafford would have spent his whole career here if he didn't just say, you know, I don't want to be through another rebuild. I've been here for 13 seasons or however long it was. Please just send me somewhere. Send me anywhere. Mm-hmm. He literally had one request not to be sent to the Patriots because that's how much he despised Matt Patricia, which is another argument for another time. <laughs> it's another story. It's another story for another time. It, it You cannot, any conversation about Matthew Stafford's career, his stats, anything with that, you have to limit 
you are not limit, but you have to put into consideration that he played for an enigma of a sports franchise of of ineptitude, horribleness, suckitude, whatever you want to call it. And people, people don't, I don't want to say give him completely a pass because there are some games where I remember like the Stafford really dropped mm-hmm. the ball. Like the, the pick sixes, I think he leads the NFL in pick sixes, like all time. Ugh. No, actually not all time, but he's up there. Um, there's, there have been those games, right. but people, he's, he's top 12 in NFL passing yards. Okay. He's going to finish in the top 10 by the end of his career. He's top 12 or top 10 in NFL TDs. He's going to finish in the top 10 in his career. He now has a Super Bowl win, but people say those stats don't matter because the majority of those touchdowns yardage were for the Lions, and they didn't amount to anything. Mm-hmm. I get that he plays quarterback. I understand that he plays quarterback, and you have to hold your quarterbacks to a higher standard. But if that is the case, then Barry Sanders should not be in any conversation for being a great all-time NFL great. He should not. Mm-hmm. You, you That's a double standard. You can't make that argument. He doesn't play quarterback. I understand. I understand. But those were meaningless yards. Didn't amount to anything. Calvin Johnson, not a great, not one of the greatest receivers of all time. Why? Those were meaningless yards. His his record breaking season, which still stands today, which by the way, the number two season is Cooper Cup. Who? What are what do those two guys have in common? Hmm. Uh, you know, their quarterback. Quarterback. There was throwing the ball. Matthew Stafford was a part of the top two wide receiver seasons in NFL history. So, no one talks about that though. But. Calvin Johnson did that on a two and fourteen team. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Weightless yards. No mm-hmm. one says that about those guys. No one even thinks about making that argument about those guys. Yet Stafford has racked up yards after yards, touchdowns after touchdowns, game-winning drives after game-winning drives, fourth-quarter comebacks. This year alone. In the fourth quarter, he had 14 touchdown passes and zero interceptions. And maybe made one of, if not the greatest pass in the clutchest of times. Did you see that video of him staring down the curl in the pocket? And he's looking, he's getting the he's getting the linebacker to play in, and he's getting ready to throw, and he just looks and throws it like literally fingertips length away from the linebacker because he got him to come to the curl route and then Cooper Cup is doing a post across the mm-hmm. field. Yep. It, that was it was gorgeous and he did that on a no look pass. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that Mahomes would get on Sports Center for for ages. We'd be talking about that forever and Stafford did that with the game on the line in a game that he was losing. Mm-hmm. And he makes that throw. Mhm. Stafford's the fastest to throw 30,000 yards, 35,000 yards, 40,000 yards, 45,000 yards. He's the fastest to do those things, but doesn't count because he played for the Lions. Does that just, that, that sounds so wrong. You still have to make the throws. And the fact of the matter is he does. He did made all those throws. He was, he threw the most interceptions in the league this year. Yes, I get that. He was number two in touchdown passes thrown. More of his passes led to success than they led to failure. Wins the division, goes to the Super Bowl, wins the Super Bowl. Case closed. 
I don't know. I don't know what else I have to say, but the, but I, it's got. I'm sure somebody will come at you. It's got to stop. It really does. So, oh, he should have done it in Detroit. Newsflash: Nobody has been able to do it in Detroit. Yeah. The greatest players of all time haven't been able to do it in Detroit. Stafford is not the greatest player of all time. He he's not. I'm not going to go there. Is he close? Do to you the, think Tom Brady could have done it? Honestly, no. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. I do, there's too many things that went wrong. And people, there's been arguments like, ah, oh, they people had to get weapons for Stafford because he didn't blame. Like you're so you're going to blame the ownership for for them making bad draft picks. That's what you're going to do. It's Stafford's fault that these guys didn't develop. Mm-hmm. Because they, they they had pretty. I mean, we saw the stats. Cooper Cup had a thousand more yards this season than he did last year. Common denominator or the biggest difference? Stafford's throwing him the ball. Mm-hmm. It's not just Cup. Cup's great. He deserved the MVP. It's not just him. Everybody who comes and plays with Stafford from another team, their yardage production goes up by over 50%. It's not just them. And we have to stop talking about that. And I would think that the argument would be done. Gets the monkey off of his back. But, hey, is what it is. People are comparing him a lot to uh, Matt Ryan, which I think is a pretty good and fair comparison. Around the same time, similar NFL, like the way that the NFL was changing their game, being more pass heavy, uh, that's good. And and Matt Ryan is ahead of him in a lot of those categories, which cool. And people are like, if Matt Stafford is a Hall of Fame quarterback now, then Matt Ryan has to be a Hall of Fame quarterback now. And I'm like, I 100% agree. Yeah, he should be. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. I think Matt Ryan should be a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's he's top eight right now in mm-hmm. in all the major passing uh, statistics. Put him in the Hall of Fame. But if you do that, you got to put Stafford because he's going to break those records. He's going to hang around. He's just going to add. Now he's going to pad his stats to yeah. get to those echelons to get into the Hall of Fame. And honestly, everything that he did for Detroit, everything that he did to keep his mouth shut, to move forward, to throw passes with separated shoulders, to endure the the black hole that is the Detroit Lions organization to finally get to the mountaintop and win, he deserves it. If there's any guy that deserves it just based off of how hard he's worked and how much he's had to overcome, I think it's Stafford. And I don't think there's an argument for that. I'd be interested to see kind of what the modern benchmark for Hall of Fame becomes, yeah. especially with, like you said, the three-peat career that Tom Brady has Mm -hmm. just him being like you know the goat in our modern time what is that how is that going to skew people's view of what a hall of famer looks like because no I'm not gonna say nobody because we don't know the future but not for a very long time will anybody reach that no standard you know you know what's funny and adds to my frustration I had a I had an argument with a a buddy of mine a couple buddies of mine Um, about Tom Brady being the GOAT. And this is before Tampa, I think before he won his last two Super Bowls with New England. Okay. Um, But he still held the record for most uh, Super Bowls won for a quarterback. And his argument was that Tom Brady isn't number one in any major quarterback position, or major quarterback stats. So not number one in passing yards, touchdowns, completions, and all that. 
that has now changed. And now yep. Tom Brady holds all of those records. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wins, uh, touchdowns, completion. All, all He holds all of those records. Mm-hmm. And the guy's argument was he's not the GOAT because he doesn't, he's not the number one in each of those things. Okay. That's fine. But towards the end of Stafford's career, I might argue that he could be top five in all the major statistic quarterback uh, outside of wins of, mm-hmm. of all the counting stats. He'd probably be top five. If you didn't think Tom Brady was the goat and now that he's the goat because he's, he's in the top five with all of these counting stats, then, when Matt comes knocking Something's at the door, give. when Matt Something's comes knocking give. at the door, you better you better give him the same treatment. Otherwise, you're a hypocrite and your argument is baseless. So, welcome to CNC Replay, where we subtweet our friends live. No, uh, they're they're good guys. <laughs> I just think that their takes are wrong. I mean, but then we you know, no, we, I know. we coexist and we we move on. But bottom line. So happy for the guy. It was really hard to be happy because the the Bengals fan I was sitting next to, she was pretty, she was pretty upset. Oh, that's a bummer. But the good thing was, like, the Bengals wouldn't have gotten to the or wouldn't have gotten to the Super Bowl without Jamar Chase. But the number mm-hmm. one knock on them was like, man, they need an offensive line, and that was very clear yeah. throughout the entirety of the playoffs. So, but I was like, look at the bright side. You got here. You have the pieces to get here, and you got here with, for all intensive purposes. A, a very incomplete roster. Mm-hmm. Now you know you need an offensive line. You have the pieces that just got you to a Super Bowl. You can only improve, or you could you can only improve on the glaring weaknesses that you had with your Super Bowl roster because <laughs> because the Bengals are a Super Bowl roster. They are. They by, are by by <laughs> all standards. By all standards, maybe traditional. I guess, but they are a Super Bowl roster now. Beef up that offensive line. Sign a big name free agent offensive lineman, and you'll you'll be back. You'll be you'll be right back. Mm-hmm. So, but she was still upset, and I was like inside just. Well, really... yeah, I mean, she lost. So yeah, I would be. I'd be the same way. I'd just be. Like, oh. I'd be super bummed. Yeah, because then we would have to listen to everybody like doubly say those things oh he couldn't take it he couldn't get it done blah 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 blah, blah. not yeah. not to mention that his he, cooper cup was like triple teamed all game mm-hmm. after odell tore his acl in the super that bowl was, oh missing your number one tight end you could yeah. not establish the run it was like he was in detroit all over and again. then he rolled his ankle and he rolled, his ankle. rolled his ankle so Rolled his ankle. It was like Burrow he... also got hurt. What his knee got tweaked, right? Yeah, that was bad. I thought yeah, he tore it was his not ACL. fun to watch. I thought he tore his ACL. I was really, I was really hoping he didn't. Yeah, but he didn't. But so, he didn't. Yeah, so good. Unless it was just minor and they shot him with drugs. No, he wouldn't. He, him... he wouldn't go to the medical staff. He just played through it. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Is yeah, yeah. But no, yeah. like he didn't, he didn't seek attention. Oh, he didn't. So like he didn't okay. get a shot or anything. He was like, "You're not taking me out of this game," which. Kudos to Fair. Joe Burrow, like absolutely the coolest man on the planet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a discussion for a different day. It's, but it's a, not not that comment specifically. The not seeking medical attention wins being more important than bodily health, but that's a philosophical thing. I can talk about a different day. But if you're gonna, it'd be different if it was a head injury. If it was a head injury, then kind of all bets are off. But I mean, mm, okay. 
It's different. It's Noel. I don't know. Different. As somebody whose knees are jacked up, they're a really important part of the body. I get it. But would you rather, <laughs> you know, have a tough time being able to walk or not being able to string together coherent sentences later in life? I'm not discussing that. This is, we're, we don't okay. need to get on this we're topic. That here. will be, maybe during the summer when there's no baseball, we can talk about that. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Do you want to go into that? Or do you want to go to the Pistons next? Uh, no, let's go on the Pistons. Um, okay. It's been a long time because we just, we just went through probably one of the craziest NBA tried to, you can. That was, that was good. Brain fart. Yep. Big one. We went through one of the craziest NBA trade deadlines, probably in recent memory. Yeah. The entire league was just flipped upside down. James Harden, who just got to Brooklyn, wanted out. I think... I think the two I think of those he just likes to move. No, the two of those Ben Simmons and James Harden are the softest people in the NBA. The NBA <laughs> is soft. I don't care. They would cook me in a basketball game. I get that. I understand. The NBA is soft because as soon as you don't like your cer- certain situation, you can demand a trade and you'll get traded immediately. Ben Simmons did get abused. In, in Philly. I'm not doubting that, but then plays the mental health card. Like, ah, I'm not in the right mental state to play NBA basketball. So I'm not going to play, even though it was laced under the fact that he didn't want to play in Philly anymore and Philly didn't want to trade him. And then they finally trade him. And now Ben Simmons is like, Oh, I'm in a great mental spot. Makes it seem kind of fishy. And like, if you are going to be that guy, that's going to play the mental health card, like, it better be true mm-hmm. because it's already hard enough to talk about stuff like that. And, and if you're making a farce of it, that's bad. Mm-hmm. That's bad. So yeah. two of those guys soft, do not care. Do not care. Is, is 76ers going to win the NBA championship now? Maybe. I don't know. You have a good shot. Cause Joel Embiid has been playing crazy, but from the Pistons side, Jeremy Grant still Piston, which is cool. That's mm-hmm. fun. We like that. Um, I was actually very surprised at that. I thought he so was, was I. I thought he was going to be gone, but um, I guess I mean it's one of those things. You know, he's still under contract. He let he he signed here to prove it to himself, mm-hmm. and so he's like, "Hey, this is a team that wanted me in the first place, and now I get to stay." Uh, that's and like that there wouldn't be any bad blood. I don't think it's like, right. "Oh, you didn't get me traded." Like. No, I'm not going to play for you. No, that's not what's going to happen. I don't think, just given the relationship. But the Pistons traded for Marvin Bagley III uh, from Sacramento. And Sacramento, I know I was ripping the Lions, but Sacramento is in the conversation of like of like number. Well, you did rip them a little bit earlier. They yeah. did come up in your analogy. No, I did. But like, it's like Lions and then like 60 football fields, and then it's number two. And Sacramento has a good shot for number two. Um, because they were making ridiculous trades all over the place. They traded a second-year player for Devontas Sabonis and a bunch of other pieces, which is not smart, in my opinion. And then they traded Marvin Bagley, who is the second overall pick in 2018, to Detroit. He needed a change of scenery a little bit, and the Pistons desperately needed a center. But they traded... Was it not Jaron Jackson, but uh, Josh Jackson 
and Trey Josh Lyles. Jackson and Trey Lyles. For the former number two overall pick? Uh-huh. What a move. Yeah. Absolutely what a move. He not only not only does he he fit into the the timeline for competitiveness. He's 22 years old. So not even in the prime of his career. And, and he fits the ages of all the other young guys. It fits the so ages. So like he'll grow up, grow up, air quotes. You know what I mean? Build that chemistry. And he was yeah. a guy who desperately needed a change of scenery here. And he plays a, he plays a position that we desperately needed in center. Now that we have someone who's mm-hmm. he's because he's 22 years old, but he's a veteran, which is weird to think about. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he has NBA experience playing center. So he's going to be playing heavy minutes at the five while he's here in Detroit mm-hmm. and he gets a fresh start before I'm pulling up his stats again too. Uh, before he got here in his first few seasons, he was averaging and points aren't everything, um, but he was averaging 14, 14, 14 points, 14.9, 14.2, 14.1. And then this year he was averaging uh 10. So a bit of a steep drop off, but still, your first three seasons, you were pretty consistent. So I don't think the bottom is just going to fall off as soon as you get into your, your developmental stages. Right. Um, right. So I, I, I just, I'm excited because we traded him. We traded him for a bench player and a guy who wasn't even on the roster at the beginning of the season. He was playing in the G league. And the funny thing is uh, Sacramento's GM wanted Sadiq Bay for Bagley last season. Hmm. Just one for one. One for one. Interesting. And, and Sadiq Bay has been is is after, in the right is going in the right direction, doing well, well here. Is the number two option behind Kate Cunningham right now? Yeah. I mean, it's a bad team. I mean, the Pistons are bad. They've lost thirteen. No, they've lost thirteen out of fourteen. Thirteen out of fourteen games. That's bad. Yeah. I don't care how you put it, but in the last two weeks, yeah, three weeks, something yes. like that. That's not good. <laughs> I I don't think there's a player on this roster that's older than 26 years old, right now. I could be completely I don't think wrong, so either. Or maybe I should say important piece on this roster. It's like starting five. I'm talking about here. Starting five has got to be all under 26. There's Jeremy no Grant might be a little bit older. I think he might be inching closer to 30. I think. Hmm. I think so. Or he's 26. Let me double check here. Is he? Um, this is this is really bad that we're doing this on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> but Should have had this prepared, guys. He's 27. Yeah, so he's 27. So he's the oldest person on the start. 27 years old. He's the oldest star on the team. Yeah. 22. Sadiq I guess I could, 22. I guess I could. Cunningham's 20. I could include uh, a Linux, but he hasn't been playing because he's been hurt. Um but, he just came back though, didn't he? Yeah, recently. Hasn't helped yeah. the team in the wins department. But... No, he has not. <laughs> but I think it's a slam dunk move. And then if you want to trade uh Grant at I, I've heard that they were thinking about trading Grant uh at the draft, which could make some sense. Uh because he's got he's under contract and I think he's got twenty something mil on his contract, so not a lot of teams could a afford to keep that under the cap or whatever the NBA has. Um, and the Pistons probably didn't want to retain salary. So uh, he could be traded by uh, draft time or he could start the year with the Pistons. And then we go through this whole process again at the NBA trade deadline. But 
Bagley to Detroit is a slam dunk. And I've, I believe Bagley's grandfather played in Detroit. Played for the Pistons? No, his... Oh, gosh. I think I no, saw I that think story. I don't, he didn't play in Detroit. Why did I... Somebody pitched for the Tigers. I remember it being a different sport. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> sorry. Another researching um, in the middle. Yeah, we're doing such a good job. So sorry, guys. Okay. Yeah, this is this is real hard hitting uh, uh, no, news here. He played for the Pistons. He played for the Pistons. I'm crazy. Yeah, Pistons Where, drafted who am I talking about? Pistons I heard that earlier his today. Father Joel Caldwell with the second pick okay. in the 1964 <laughs> draft. Yeah, he played center. Okay. Joel Caldwell. All right. Cool. That's that's little family ties. Wasn't he? Wasn't horrible too. I guess played till '69. Uh, didn't have a long NBA. No, no, no. Wait, hold on. Uh, he played in the ABA. A lot. So he played in Detroit. Um, and he played till 1975 in the ABA with, uh, I, can't, I don't even know who that team is. I, I don't, I can't look it up right now. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. In two seasons with the Pistons, uh, he averaged 10 points a game. And then five seasons with uh, St. Louis and Carolina in the NBA. He averaged 17 points a game. So, runs in his blood, I guess. So, he just couldn't get it started with the Pistons. and Made it eventually. That's all that matters. Made it eventually. So, there's a little bit of connection there. And and I think of any any sports city in America, people love it when there's... We love family. Or not <laughs> not even family, but yeah, just that's like connection, connection with Detroit. Like if you are somehow connected to Detroit, you are in. Doesn't matter if you're the worst person in the world or the best person in the world. If you're from you Detroit, automatically are just like you're you're a guy. We like you. You're a dude. If that happens yeah. to you, yeah. Um, so that's only going to help. Only going to help, and I'm excited to only see him play. Help. He's only got one game under his belt here uh, in Detroit. Um, he didn't do stellar, but like he didn't do horrible though. I mean, no, no, no. I had ten, but, he had ten points in in twenty one minutes. I would like to get a little bit more rebounds out of him, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. You know, it is what it is. And I guess I just don't know how long it takes NBA players to get in a system. Yeah, as compared to hockey, because I know for hockey it takes usually it takes a little bit unless you're. Jacob Verana, um, very much so. But just because you know you you depend so much on your line mates um, and the other people on the ice, but especially for a center and rebounds, I don't know how that would, how long that would take. Well, he's a center, you know, so it, I want my centers to lead the team in rebounds. That, that's what I mean. Is like I I'm not sure it should take a while for him to figure that out yeah. because it, you're standing in the box pushing folks out of the way to get the ball. That's, yeah. There, you don't need a system to be a part. You don't need to understand the system in order to be able to do that. You know, he, he was two rebounds away from uh, a double double. Okay. Yeah. Not bad. So, but good things to come, and it's just it's just hard to watch the Pistons because we've already watched so so much horrible sports, so but, much failing. But I, with moves like this, 
you have to think that production is going to be seen very, very yeah. soon. Especially, we still have Cunningham, and he's been do. he's been balling out all year, <laughs> doing so good, <laughs> so good. Just got to get over this injury, but uh, regardless, uh, mm-hmm. hockey time. Hockey time. Hockey time. Let's talk about hockey. <sighs> Do we want to discuss last night's game? We we shouldn't discuss the game. No, we should we shouldn't discuss the game. This is this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. I had a but I'm gonna tell you a story. Buddy of mine, he calls me pretty periodically or pretty often here, just with random sports stuff. He calls me yesterday, um, and he's like, okay. Fill in the blank for me. Dylan Larkin is a top blank player. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking top 12. And he's saying, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was thinking top 15. I'm like, that's what I wanted to say, but that's what I don't believe. Dylan Larkin, we said last week is having a career year. Dylan Larkin is now becoming the player that we all hoped he would become when he burst onto the scene as a, as a 19 year old. Any argument that we had at the beginning of the year, it's like, oh, if he was on a good team, he wouldn't be the top center. I think that list is increasingly shrinking. Now I think there's two teams. He wouldn't be the top center on right now. And that's Edmonton and uh, maybe Tampa. Uh, Edmonton, yeah. Edmonton, no, Edmonton, Colorado, Tampa. And people are like, well, Pittsburgh has Crosby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Boston has Bergeron. Yeah, I know. You don't think the, the 25-year-old Dylan Larkin having a career year would be on the top line as compared to the aging Sidney Crosby and the, the Zetterberg Twilight Years version of – Bergeron, that's really harsh. I don't want to say that, but I was going to say he's still. Bergeron is no Bergeron is heading into that like because like everyone know like knew Zetterberg was such a fabulous player even when he was like thirty eight, thirty nine, or however the heck, or like thirty seven, but was not what he was a few seasons ago. I'm not saying Bergeron is still an elite player. He's probably the most highly respected player in the league right now. I would argue that. But Bergeron in his late 30s on line one for Boston or Dylan Larkin at age 25 at the top line for Boston? I think it's pretty easy to say Mm -hmm. where you'd go. So three places, Colorado, Edmonton, Tampa Bay. Dylan Dylan Larkin is on a 10-game point streak where he has like 14 or 16 points, something stupid right now. And Dylan Larkin is going to score 40 goals this year. He's already top 10 in goals scored in the NHL right now. And I believe you said before we jumped on here that he's fifth in even strength goals in the league right now. Yes, if I'm remembering the stat correctly, I'm pretty sure it was 5v5. 
Dylan Arkin is going to score 40 goals for the Detroit Red Wings. Mm-hmm. The Detroit Red Wings do not have 40 goal scorers. No. Dylan Arkin was never touted to be a goal scorer. He's a playmaker. Mm-mm. Dylan Larkin yep. is about to lead the team in goals and points. Mm-hmm. And assists. Maybe. 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 But Dil- Dylan Larkin is the Detroit Red Wings. And that's so cool to see because we're getting mm-hmm. to that stage where guys just explode in their careers. That like mid that mid twenties age spot. But like that right before your prime is like the happy zone for NHL stars. It's mm-hmm. what Kucherov did. It's what Pasta did to become superstars in this league. If you're not doing it from the get-go, like Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews and, and all and all of that jazz. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, Dylan Argo would not be number one center on uh, in Toronto right now. Toronto. Okay. No. So, uh, you know what? I'll kick out Tampa. I'll kick out. I'll kick out Tampa. So I'm still sticking with three. <laughs> okay. Because I I don't uh, maybe I guess I'd have to look at Braden Point a little bit more. Uh, but so four. Okay, maybe I don't. Uh, that's hard. But Dylan Larkin is a top five. Maybe <laughs> I think top center. five is okay. <laughs> maybe top five center right now in the league. Right. Yeah. And there, I would be hard pressed to find. 15 players I would want more on my team right now than Dylan Larkin. I could name you a, a good few. I could name you a good few. I could name you 11 players that I probably want more than Dylan Larkin right now. Mm-hmm. But we got to start talking about this. We really do. We're past the point where like, oh, he wouldn't be, oh, he's this, he's that. No, he's, he's, he's comfortable. He's getting into that happy zone of his age and he is, he is the leader in the locker room, leader on the ice, leader in points, leader in goals. Everything on the Detroit Red Wings runs through Dylan Larkin. Mm-hmm. So, so cool. So, so cool. Because it literally, it's like his entire life was being prepped <laughs> for this. I mean, because, again, we talked about this earlier, the the Michigan ties, right? The Detroit yep. ties. You're from Detroit. He's a Michigan boy. He's the Michigan. He's Michigan boy through and through. Goes to Michigan, plays for a year goes to Grand Rapids, plays whatever, and then immediately bursts on the scenes for the Red Wings and now becomes the captain of a homegrown uh, of a homegrown team. This, uh, this is what you want from your franchise mm-hmm. player, and he's becoming that right before our eyes, and he's going to score 40 goals, and he's going to lead the Red Wings to the playoffs. Maybe mm-hmm. not that last part, but I believe that still. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a connection here, but he did get over his like awkward phase this year, it feels like just like aesthetically, like, I don't know what it is, but like he figured out the facial hair, he figured out like the mullet thing is working for him. He doesn't wear his helmet during warmups, yeah. which I feel like is just a rite of passage for, for captains, right? He got over that. There's probably, this is probably correlate or yeah, correlation, not causation, but yeah. I don't know. I'm going to pull something out of it. Yeah. And still, I mean, being named captain it, it plays it plays a role yeah like oh, I believe like it. whether you're a good captain or not dudes in the locker room are gonna are gonna look to you as far as what to do next like you're it sounds so elementary but you're the you're the second coach behind blashell and i don't necessarily know how well these guys listen to blashell but like i would i would think that the dudes in the locker room would go to larkin 
and respect Larkin more than maybe the coach at times because they're, you know, they're all doing it together. Mm-hmm. And you don't just, unless you're Henrik Zetterberg out of the womb, you don't just born, <laughs> get born into that and it's a smooth transition. Right. Yeah. Right. There's, there no, is natural leadership capabilities, but I was, I would be the first to tell you at the beginning of this, I did not know, like, as everybody was pointing that Larkin was going to be the next captain, I was not, you remember. You I was, and I were both, we were both like, mm, I'm not really sure about this. We were not comfortable with that. No. And it kind of showed in his first year and he was battling injury, but like, that's a lot of weight. To, even with yeah. nobody in the stands, that is a lot of weight to put on a player. Yeah. But now. And I think yeah, we, I think we talked about it too, is that I think had Ken Hollins stuck around as the GM, I think Larkin would have been captain earlier. Sure. But I think because Iserman had the experience of at the time being the youngest captain ever in NHL history, it I think that he has a very different perspective on what it takes to be a leader as a young guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there was an element of that where he wanted to get to know Larkin and get to know the team and get to know, you know, alternates and whatever before putting that pressure on him yeah. just to like really be sure that he could handle it because I know I've just in interviews and stuff like listening to Eiserman talk about his own experience like it was hard it's really hard for a 19 year old 19 20 year old not to say that Larkin is those ages but uh-huh. a younger guy to carry the weight of everything to be the first one in front of especially on a bad team oh my gosh yeah like to be the first one to answer all of the hard questions to be the first one that the guys look to when things aren't going the right way and they look to them, him for answers, right? Yeah. And so when you have, you know, Sam Gagne at 32, who's looking to you at 22 or whatever yeah, for direction and for encouragement, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. I, I've always wondered what it's like in an NHL locker room with that. Because yeah. I, I, how often is, is Danny DeKaiser going to Dylan Larkin for advice? You know I'm what not I mean? saying that they're actually like, hey, Dylan, what should I do when taking notes? Right. I'm saying like when the guy in the room stands up and actually like addresses the locker room, yeah. are they paying attention? Are they listening? I think that they would be. Yeah. I, you know? it's, it's a dynamic because how are you going to get a guy who's 34 years old to listen to you as a 25-year-old? It's not, it's not just given to you because you wear the C on your Jersey. That's, yeah. that's not the case. And I think you with, have to earn it hundred percent. And I think with Eisenman's case too, Eisenman built the Red Wings to where that, cause they had that story, you know, Gordy Howe, all those guys, but mm-hmm. that was a long time removed when he became g- captain during the dead wings era. Right. Like, no, I know. He, no, I, I'm for the audience. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you and I are having a conversation in front of other people. Um, yeah, like he became captain in the Dead Wings era, so he had to deal with a lot of what I'm sure Dylan was dealing with, even when they didn't have a captain, because yeah. he was pseudo captain at that time. Yeah, I don't know which would be more difficult to maintain that that uh, prestige of an elite franchise, or to build and get back to that elite level of franchise. I don't know which would be more difficult. Um, but I, I know in Eisenman's case too, like there was nothing for the Red Wings, but Eisenman, <laughs> like no. there was no other, there was no other was option, it. but Eisenman. So like he, he had to throw the C on that guy at 19, because I think even like 
in uh, the NHL did a like like the hundred greatest players for the centennial season. Mm -hmm. And for Iserman's like 10 minute video or whatever it was, they were talking about him and the coach at the time was like, listen, we didn't have anything else to lose. People thought it was a gimmick, but this was something that could have, you know, lit the fire under the team. Like, Hey, the 19 year old is the captain. Like, let's see where this goes. Um, Yeah. And we don't get all of that coverage because it's a different time. I mean, like what the eighties is freaking. we don't have an, we don't have, we don't have nearly as much like social content from what happened inside of a locker room in the eighties in the NHL, because we don't know what the heck happens in any locker room in the NHL, even in a day of content. Um, mm-hmm. You can only imagine the struggle. And Eisenman pr- keeps pretty close to the chest too. So yeah, what that he man shares, doesn't share anything hopefully with his wife i hope he does but i think he does well yes and children i don't know if you saw that interview where the kid who picked the who picked um simon edvinson in the Uh draft last year went like got to go to a game and like he saw eiserman again and like the kid got to ask him questions and he got two straight answers of full sentences from the guy and i was like we just need to have him ask all the questions you know have him put on somebody's suit and like reading glasses and just give him a mic because clearly Eiserman will talk to him yeah. and nobody else. Well, yeah, it's just, I, and I think, I think Eiserman's like a good dude too. Cause we shared those stories. Oh, he is. Yeah. That, I mean, Chris, he took me to that, th- that event and then Eiserman mm-hmm. signed literally everybody's stuff yeah. at that event. Yeah. And the people were like, Oh, Eiserman's not going to sign anything, whatever. And he went through the line. Mm-hmm leadership i i suppose or or you know he's no longer on that ice or he's no longer on the ice as the captain but he's he's the gm of the detroit red wings and that carries some weight still and he's still taking that very seriously which is a cool thing but yeah he's a good dude he's just a vault he's he's a he's a good dude he's a vault but he's also the one player that would probably understand the same pressure that larkin was going under yeah um but so that's cool. As far as as far as the rest of the team goes, most siders should be. I think we should listen to uh, Lidstrom and say that he's the leader for the Calder because I mean the guy is the guy's the best defenseman on the team. I know that's not saying a lot, but still, like he's like. But like you remember the the, it's the opposite effect of what you were talking about with the Lions and the Sacramento Kings. It's most cider, sixty football fields. Yeah enter somebody like that's in terms of like good he he just is and it's yeah that that whole conversation i just don't understand well i think if i know lindstrom is connected with the wings but i think if he's outwardly saying like yeah you should give this guy consideration for calder because he's about to overtake zegris for its second in points as Mm -hmm. well and that's Mm -hmm. at a premium position so as the rest of the no, league. No, he's at, he's, he beat Zegris. I mean, oh, he is. not points percentage because Zegris still is minus seven games uh-huh. compared to our boys, but he beat him last night with the, with the, did he have an assist last night? I don't know. He got a he point last score. night that, that pushed him, um, pushing him up. So yeah, Lucas is still up at 39 points and then Moe's two at 34. Zegris with 33. Give him some. If one of those guys doesn't win, that's just that's just. 
Mm-hmm. If everything stays the way that it stays, if one of those guys doesn't win, that's an outrage. It is. But we won't get into that. And I again, I watching this team play, when they're at home, they play so, so well. When they're on the road, they just they they can't put it together. And the game against the Wild was was wild. LOL. Mm-hmm. First um, of all. But yeah. man, just we did have the emergence of the Smith brothers. They got to play on a line together. That's cool. They also kind of got into a bit of a scrum together, which was fun. I would Classic. love to see them do that more. Yeah. I mean, what... Jamel called Giovanni grumpy, and I thought that was hysterical. Yeah. I don't know why. I just thought it was funny. They should but... They should just let them play. Have that just be an alternate checking line. It's not like our fourth line matters. You just kind of... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they just... You just kind of, like, rotate... We have a revolving door of of fourth liners that do basically the same things. Yeah. Just let him play. Just or even play. on the third line center, like like with Rasmussen. I know he's young, but like once you get to the bottom six, it's kind of right now, especially it's kind of like, I guess with the exception of of Vlad, like what are these guys doing? You know. Mm-hmm. Like they're like I love me some Ernie, elite goal scorer Ernie, but like still the guy has he not has had not scored. Yeah, he's not had the season, and it's weird Much. because I was every time that I watch him, I'm like, I can see why Eisenman had some value in him because like he's mm-hmm. like this stocky, weird looking player, but he's got skill. He just he just hasn't been able to put it in the back of the net, and then we haven't even thought of you know Mitchell Stevens, who's been hurt for ages. Um, I forgot he was still on our team. Carter Rowney's Oops. on the team still, and he's like a he's a press box hero. Um, but that poor I mean, guy. I, Not that he has anywhere to slot in. I understand, yeah, but I, like to be yeah. in the press box every time is annoying. I love Sam Gagne, but Sam Gagne is he's a very replaceable player. Um, yes. And then the Smith brothers at least have some sort of uh, grit to them, which will be very important once this team gets to a level of where you want them to be. Um, so, I, I mean... And they're younger. And, so like, And they're younger. I mean, I, like, maybe do a line of Smith, Gagne, and Smith. I know, I know Gamel plays center, um, but... Jamel, but yeah. Gamel, Jamel, yeah. My <laughs> bad. Uh, that would make sense, Giovanni. Jamel. Jamel, yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> Jif and GIF. Yeah, oh boy. We're not Anyways. I'm I'm a I'm a GIF guy. So I'm a GIF girl. Oh no. Uh I'm sorry. Geez. But roll with that. It's yeah. fun. I mean that's it's some it's a little bit of fanfare. You get some brothers to play together. Um they've never played before professionally on the same that was the first time they've played together ever mm-hmm. uh in a professional setting. And mm-hmm. uh run with it. I don't, yeah. I, I don't. Might as well. Like, what on at this point? Like, I know that you guys are going to say, "Oh, we have the playoffs to lose." We don't really. Like, they're they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, they are. No, they're not. Boston's going to fall out. Swayman. Okay. Swayman's been carrying that team for ages, and Bergeron's hurt. Uh, Marchand is suspended. I I think I think don't count them out. Because still, if they just win mm-hmm. games, they, they can everyone controls their own destiny. 
and things are going to bother. <laughs> yeah, you say if they just win games, like this team actually knows how to do that at this point. Well, at home they do. Look at the splits. Look at the <laughs> yeah. splits. If they, can, seen... if they can figure out some things on the road, why not? Yeah. And we have the toughest next two weeks in the league. And that'll be very telling. That'll be very telling. Mm-hmm. If, but if they beat those teams, why not? Why the heck not? If they beat those teams, I'll be more on board. But until I see that, we I just we just lost seven to what two? Yeah, and the Wild are nasty. The Wild are absolutely nasty, and the yes, Red Wings don't the Wild play are great. Well. Uh, yes, they're and good. The I get that. Tough. It's just okay. <laughs> no, I, I. That's what I'm I, saying. That's what I'm saying. They're play. They just played a tough team and lost bad. They're about to play eight more tough teams. Coyotes don't count. The They're about to play seven more teams. Seven more but tough teams. Sure. And Tampa and Florida back-to-back. Like, that's... Sounds like two wins to me. Oh, my word. Okay. That's, that's In where... In Florida? No. That's where that grit is going to... Ernie... <laughs> the Ernie, Smith brothers J- are going to drag us across that oh, line. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Sick. <laughs> okay. Sick. Sick. You know what line should never be touched as of right now? Uh, the Guelph line. Yeah, absolutely. Do not touch him. And Bertuzzi's nasty. There, I know. He's right behind Larkin. He's two goals behind Larkin, I think. Yep. Like, that line has been do- has magic in it right now. And it's been so long, so long since we've had both a competent first and second line. So long. You just need a half-competent third and fourth line to make a competent full. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And right now that varies. Yeah. It depends on what the blender is doing. Yes. I had had one thought before we maybe move on, but... uh, Okay. You remember Jacob Chitrin? Jacob Chitrin, yeah. Uh, From Arizona? Yes. So he's, he's rumored to be on the trade mill. Okay. What would you do? Oh gosh. I don't know. Cuz I guess I guess I don't have a good gauge of like what his value is. I know he's good. He's had he's had know. a down year. So that's like the rumor so that's mill. That's a knock. Okay. The, but the Coyotes are horrible. The one team that is not as bad as Montreal. Right. Which and it Montreal doesn't, is. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense to me why they would want to trade because they were saying like, oh, he's available. Like, we'll take calls on him. And that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me why they would want to do that. But, hey, I don't know. And, like, it, again, getting Is it a, a salary dump? What's his contract like? No, it's just I guess they want a complete overhaul of the roster. Everybody but Clayton Keller, I guess. Interesting. Um, ooh. Let me just go look at his stats. Hold on. They're not su- superb. And I was looking at his advanced metrics, and they're like, they're pretty good, but his war is not this year. Mm. Or at least it wasn't for the first quarter of the season. Uh, so I don't know what you do. Yeah. But I like, I don't even know what a package would look like. Um, because I, I guess I was looking at Eichel mm-hmm. and the, what did they give up for? They got Tuck, they got 
they got another. They got so much. Well, no, they got another. It wasn't as much as I, I thought mean, it was going to be. They got. Tough- felt like there were a lot of pieces, but the quality of said pieces were not yeah. what we thought they were going to be. They got Tuck. They got another player, and then they got a first and a second, I believe. And then I believe Vegas sent a pick back. You got Tuck. Krebs, yes. 22nd, first round, 23rd, third round. Okay. For, is what they got for Jack Eichel. They didn't send a they get or they didn't send a pick back. It doesn't look like they did, but I that was just the, the title of the article I pulled up. Okay, and that's Jack Eichel. Regardless yeah. if he's hurt or not. That's the package that you had for Jack Eichel. And I bring it up because it was they were like, Oh, we want a Jack Eichel type package. What does mm-hmm. that look like for the Red Wings? Because we need another young defenseman to build around. Yep. I'm sick of seeing DeKaiser with Cider. Because can you imagine what <laughs> Cider would be doing if he wasn't anchored by Danny Dimes? Dead weight. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that would be a guy that would fit your age time range. Mm-hmm. Would Erasmussen, I know this isn't the main piece, but would Erasmussen, Zadina, in combination That's... of picks, get it done? That's kind of where my brain was because, uh, look, I at this point I don't know if I'm on the trade Zadina train because he's been doing so well, like decently well on the first line. He's filling had, in. He's had minimal success. Yeah, but so, it's been like, it's been noticeable. Is what right. That's what I'm worrying with. Is it is it noticeable enough to keep him around, or does he need a change of scenery? Like that's kind of what I'm posturing through. So he was my first thought as being kind of like the the bigger piece of that, that trade, you know? Yeah. And then Rasmussen's never been my favorite player, so I don't mind if he goes. I just, I, I've just, he's, he's young enough to be in that conversation. To be a pull. Yeah. And maybe he needs a change of scene. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe getting, right. maybe getting second line center minutes would be helpful for him because he would get that in Arizona. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I'm not, I mean, no one's really been too impressed with him, but Right. And I don't want to be like, oh, we're going to trade our damaged goods for this. Because I do think Zadina has value if he's around yeah. the right situations. But, hey, if he gets traded to a new place, it's like I've, people already think I'm a bust, quote, unquote. Like, now I can just play hockey. Mm-hmm. And then maybe look and see what happens. Um, so, but because, like, looking back at that Eichel deal, that does not seem like a lot. No. And, no. I, and I know Chikrin plays a premium position but there's no way he would fetch more than a eichel in his premium position no absolutely not so i guess we'll see what happens i mean there's also been like talk of uh trading vlad he's been kind of in the rumor mill um no i know that's a bummer but He's only got this last half of the season on his contract, right? His, he his wants contract it is up here. this year. So the conversation that I've seen around him is trade him away to a cup contender, let him go do the playoff run, win a cup if he can, and then re-sign him in the offseason. Because then, you know, like if – and obviously you would have to take it, like have a conversation with him in order to do that because that would be like a – a verbal contract sort of situation that Eiserman would have to make with him. But yeah. if anybody would do it, I think it'd be Vlad. He loves being here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. 
Yeah. No, I I mean he's he loves being here and he's played mm-hmm. well while being here. Um it seems like every time he scores he's like pointing at like every single time. Every time he wheel, scores he pulls the jersey off. Which is not off, but yeah, he yeah. flags the logo. And that's a guy you'd want on your team, I think. Yeah. Um heart and soul guy. For sure. But I just I'm floating that out there because I think if anyone could get a package done on a player like that, it'd be Eiserman. And I just would mm-hmm. be really interested to see. I mean, look at what we got for freaking Mantha. Maybe we just trade Rasmussen of first and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I I can live with that. Let's do it. Thumbs up. <laughs> and then you have to have Lad at center on third line. Yeah. You have no has choice. To stay. We have nobody else. Yeah. Not nobody else, but limited options. So. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, we are our last subject of the day. Golly, it's so dumb. So dumb. Uh, Baseball's burning. It just is. It, it, they're, they're, they're. I, I, you can't even give an intro to this. They're just burning. Spring train or pitchers and catchers were supposed to report today. Obviously, that's not happened because the players are still locked out. Uh, doesn't look like there's going to be a deal imminent. And, and the last Saturday was like the last hope for a delay to spring for spring training not to happen. Mm-hmm. And that meeting lasted for an hour. So yeah. it, it's there's questions of how much they pay minor league players. They should pay them more. Shocker or newsflash. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But they're talking about getting rid of. They're talking about getting rid of jobs and, and players. And they already got rid of a, a bunch of teams. And, yeah. and which is weird because like. The MI or the minor league baseball and major league baseball are different uh, bargaining organizations. They're not mm-hmm. the same, but still they're fighting for MLB or minor league players' rights, which I got. Um, and I think it has something to do with the revenue sharing because then that goes down to the lower levels. Uh, but like, just figure it out. <laughs> figure it out. You've are, you've done you've done so much to just try to grow the game and Rob Manfred has shot himself in the foot so many times, even, even back to the pandemic where you could have figured something out to be the only sport on television in a, in the midst of a pandemic, you, but you couldn't mm-hmm. figure it, you couldn't figure it out. You couldn't go to the owners and say, Hey, look, if we get started now, we can make you money when nobody else is making you money. It may not be as much as humanly possible, but we could get the season. Like they missed out on a, you could have had with no fans in the stands and America's complete attention. You could have had, you could have had so much success and so much growth to this game, but you dropped the ball Mm -hmm. because you're squabbling over money. Mm -hmm. And this has been Rob Manfred's entire career right now. It's just been failure as far as bargaining with players, you know, trying to seclude to the owners, what I, not seclude to the owners, but like bending the knee to the owners. It, it's, and now we're going to lose part of our season because, because we can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Just, just, just frustrating, frustrating, frustrating. I love baseball. You know this, Noel, and it's, I do. I love spring training baseball too. I love it. I adore it. It is so much fun to go to. You've been to multiple of them. I've been multiple to multiple games. Spring training games. I've, I 
I've, words. I've been to, I believe, five spring trainings. Five, I think. Once yeah. when I was really little, I think I, I went back to Florida too for for something, but can't remember. Uh, but I've been to five. Arizona is really cool. A lot of fun. If you have an opportunity to ever go to spring training in Arizona, absolutely do it. It is a blast. Um, but now we're going to miss a very important part of that season. So I can't even bring up the mic trap drawing because it's just all been so sad and frustrating. And, but you I have do to end on a happy note. We can't end the podcast on such a dumpster fire. Uh, he has a Twitter account. The guy now did it for the story. Oh, good. And he good, posted good. A, a Valentine's day card with Mike Trout. Love. You know, like the grandma meme. Yes. Where it's like, like she can't see her teeth. It just says what? And it's like, yeah, <laughs> I think yes. the Valentine was like centered around that, but Mike Trout sliding into third base. So that's, there's your, there's your Mike Trout update. Perfect. Perfect. Holy cow. Alrighty. Any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns? Fire Rob Manfred. This is an anti-Rob Manfred podcast. Okay. That's it. Alrighty. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the CNC Replay. We really appreciate you being here. If you could share with a friend, share with a family member, post on your social media about us, we'd really appreciate it. Um, you can also follow us on all of our socials at CNC Sports Pod. We will see you next week. Matthew Stafford is a Super Bowl champion. Beat that. Hey, everybody. This is Noelle. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CNC Replay. Please subscribe and rate us five stars as it really helps us out. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at CNC Sports Pod. We'll see you next week.